Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happenings. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes, that that seems to be the decision. All down. Oh. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be, it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings on another beautiful Monday night. We call it beautiful because I'm tired of criticizing Mother Nature. Maybe if I'm nice to her, she'll be nice to us. I'm going to do whatever I can. It's getting rough. So uh, enough about her. Let's get into what's happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings in a Motor City Minute. Denny Hamlin making friends at Kansas Speedway over the weekend uh, after he and Kyle Larson get together on the back straightaway on the final lap of the NASCAR Cup Series event. Uh, of course, that was after Larson drove through the field and retook the lead. Hamlin gets the win uh, at Kansas on uh, Sunday. Of course, Larson finishes in second. Nobody remembers that because of all of the drama that followed that. Of course, uh, fisticuffs on pit road with uh, Noah Gregson and uh, Ross Chastain. People going back and forth. Uh, I love it. I'm here for it. I think NASCAR needs it. I agree with, uh, I think it was Cody Geyer posted on Facebook. He said, NASCAR needs the NHL rule. Don't break them up until they hit the ground. And I agree wholeheartedly. I would have loved to have seen Noah land that right hook <laughs> because it was coming in hot. Uh, but all that aside, big weekend for NASCAR in Kansas. And also in Kansas over the weekend was the Arkham Menards Series. And Jesse Love kind of starting to stink things up on the Arkham Menards National Series. Picks up his fourth career series victory and second consecutive win with the Dawn 150 at Kansas on Speedway. He now leaps into the championship standings lead by two points over Frankie Munez. Big news over the weekend, actually yesterday in the dirt world on the wing sprint car scene. First, it was Parker Price Miller, PPM, who almost immediately after Let's Race 2 at Eldora announced that he and McCandles Motorsports have decided to mutually part ways. They had differing paths, according to what was posted on social media, and it didn't. It just didn't work out. He says as of right now, he doesn't know what his future plans are, that he might run his car when he can and maybe try some late model stuff here and there. So, PPM looking for a ride. Then, what was it, like six hours later, maybe not even that long, Michael, also known as Buddy, Kofoid posts that he and uh, Crouch Motorsports have parted ways and that they will no longer be racing with anyone. He says, I'd like to clarify that out of integrity for myself as a race car driver and personally, I left on my own terms. I look forward to new beginnings and uh, the best is yet to come that he wants to thank all of his fans and followers supporting them 
uh, supporting him on this journey. And uh, then, of course, CMS Racing saying that they had mutually parted ways effective immediately, um, saying that uh, owner uh, Leighton Crouch and Buddy Kofoid could not come to an agreement on the direction of the team. So some drama. <laughs> in the dirt sprint car racing world. And finally, in the Motor City 2 Minutes, ASA Stars National Tour, Dan Fredrickson was the first to cross the line in the Joe Shear Classic 200 Sunday at Madison. However, Ty Majeski was the race winner thanks to post-race technical inspection. So uh, an engine infraction is what lost the race for Fredrickson and put Ty Majeski in victory lane. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good evening, sir. What's up? So now integrity is in racing. Um, we're, we mutually agree to part ways. Um, is that pretty? Doesn't that sound like pretty much if you can't give me a car that I can win with, I'm going to go find one somewhere else? Or if uh, you can't give me enough money to put your stuff in victory lane, I'm going to go make money with someone else uh, is kind of what that sounds like. Either one of those two things is what just happened right there. Yeah, yeah, because I don't think Buddy Kofoid is really comfortable running 7th and 11th and not having a chance to win. Um, the last couple of weeks, he has not been competitive at all. Yeah. And and I think that was probably, um, yeah, his integrity. I can't get myself to drive a car that won't drive. That's right. You know. That's right. Yeah. He, he can't make, he, I mean, he's a very talented young man. We, we all know that, you know, two-time National Midget Series champion. And um you got to give that guy something he can wheel. He, he can't overcome everything. How about NASCAR? Fisticuffs, pit road. Um, what do you think of that, man? I think Chastain should have said, I just hit him for that stupid haircut you got. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I, I don't know what, I don't know what Noah Gregson was thinking with that haircut. Well, it was or, part of a bet. Austin Dillon betting that he wouldn't do it. And so he did and made a hundred dollars and almost got his lights cleared out for it. Well, well, I don't know. I didn't. I did not see the incident between the two. I just saw the end of it on pit road. But if you're going to grab somebody by the fire suit and grab them by the chest, don't you be surprised if there's something coming back at you very shortly? Yeah, I just you wish. I, mean? I just wish that. Uh, I don't know if he was security or if he was someone's manager, uh, but that dude that was standing there that that put his forearm up over Noah's right hook that was coming in hot. I wish that he wasn't a part of that situation because I would have liked to have seen what happened because that was going to connect. Ross is connected. Noah's was going to connect. And, man, I think we'd have had a good old-fashioned uh, throwdown right there with the farmer. and the L Listen, Noah Gregson, you can say all you want about him. He gives me classic NASCAR vibes, man. He just does not give a darn about anything. And, uh, you know, he lets his chest hair hang out of his fire suit, doesn't wear the underneath stuff that everybody wears. This kid, I love him. I think he's great. And uh, you know what? If him and Ross Chastain want to start throwing haymakers at each other, I think they should be able to until they hit the dirt, just like the NHL. That's fine. I wasn't cra I wasn't crazy with his Wendy's fire suit <laughs> when he first got that. <laughs> then he comes out with the haircut, and I'm like, oh, gosh, he – and Noah Gregson's a good driver. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he's a little spunky. He's, I mean, you got to remember who he came up racing against. I right. Yeah. You know, with, with Bubba Pollard and Nassie, he had to grow up in a hurry and get a little spunky racing against those guys. But uh, yeah, he there, there may. Well, I guess we'll all just have to wonder if that right was coming or not. Well, I tell you what, uh, you just you just landed on a perfect marketing opportunity for Wendy's. Where's the meat? I'll give you a knuckle sandwich right here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk some local stuff, Rich. Uh, you had a chance to uh, get the season kicked off on Saturday at Flat Rock Speedway. 
Yeah, it was nice. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know that Saturday was going to be an issue with some rain. I mean, we, we, we thought there might be a chance, but we didn't. It was cloudy day, really nice. Um, we opened the season. Uh, Justin Clardy uh, picked up the 50-lap Outlaw Super Late Model feature win. Late race pass. Chris Benson's leading, coming through turns three and four, through lap traffic. Benson gets in the gas a little early, slides up the racetrack, and the seas parted for Justin Clardy. Drove right by him. One more lap to victory lane. Um, don't know that Justin would have won that race, but it would have been interesting if they would have got out of tra traffic. Not a lot of time left, though. Um, Jeremy Vanderhoof, uh, the 2022 Street Stock Champion at Flat Rock, picked up the feature win right out of the gate. Troy Bramer would be the B-Main winner. And Greg Stute, uh, name we all know, picked up the figure eight feature win on opening night at Flat Rock. And they're back at it again this week, Zach, uh, this Saturday. Outlaw Super Late Model Street Stock figure eight. Ken Schrader's going to be in the house. Uh, also, it's Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club night at Flat Rock. So if you are a fan club member and you want to go to Flat Rock, you get in free with your membership card. And uh, Taylor Ferns will also be at Flat Rock on Saturday. She's going to be there to at the Michigan Auto Racing fan club table, and she's going to sign autographs and, and chat with the fans. So that'll be cool. I, I want to talk to her. Gates open at 2 o'clock. Once again, the last early start uh, before we move to 7 o'clock, 4 p.m. start Saturday afternoon at Flat Rock. All right, there you go. Uh, Friday night, we made the trip to Tri-City Motor Speedway to do some stuff on the HBH Network. If you haven't discovered the HBH Network yet, go to horsepowerhappenings.com. Click the Live Races tab, and uh, there you'll find what we've got cooking. You can re-listen to those full-length broadcasts as well right there. But Tri-City Motor Speedway opened the gates, and it was $1,000 to win Pro Stock Night, plus $1,000 to win Fast Shafts Qualifier for IMC Modifieds, and the Dirt Car Racing UMP Late Models were on stage as well. And the Modifieds, or excuse me, the Late Models, took center stage, Rich, and we had some drama Friday night as well. It was a full moon weekend, and so the entire racing community felt it. Chad Finley, current track record holder at Tri-City, came close to knocking it down once again. That's how good the track was on Friday night. Uh, David Hilliker and Eric Spangler, though, would lead the field to the green flag ahead of a 30-lap main event. Hilliker looked sporty early but fell pit side after a failed tire on his iconic number 21D. That handed things over to Spangler, who led the first few rotations before the Lake City, Michigan driver found himself in heavy lap traffic. This allowed Finley to close the gap on Spangler, who ran the top, while Finley rolled the bottom. In traffic, Finley slices his way around Spangler, looking to be opening up a decent lead until Brandon Thurlby used the similar moves as Finley to claw his way from 10th through lap traffic to get around Spangler and lock his sights on Finley. Thurlby reeled in the number 42 machine, who was struggling on the bottom after those holes developed in turns one and two. Finley hit the mark perfect the next time around, though, and uh, was able to kind of start defending a little bit, but that didn't stop Thurlby. He made the move to the inside going into turn number three, and here's where the ingredients for drama come in. Thoroughly went to the inside, hip-checked uh, Finley out of the way, took the lead. Finley said, no, thank you, sir. Went back down into turns one and two, set up the same move, going down the back straightaway, got to Thoroughby's inside, hip-checked him, and all bets were off. Thoroughby got hard in the throttle trying to come around the outside or maybe trying to do something else. Who are we to say? Uh, spun halfway to the infield, launched over a tractor tire, Got right back in the throttle, Rich, and didn't lose a single spot. But time was out. Finley went on to win that race, and uh, Thurlby came home in the second spot. 
it would be uh, Derek Hilliker in third, Curtis Roberts fourth, and Eric Spangler, who rounded out the top five. And quickly, just want to let you know that uh, Colin Thurlby got the job done in the IMCA modified feature event, pretty much leading wire to wire. But, wow, what a dramatic late model race that was Friday at Tri-City. Yeah, and I, I like I told you, you know, we, we that was that was cool. We got to work together uh, on Friday night. But I, I honestly didn't think it was a – you know, everybody's like, well, whose fault was – I think – What's fair is fair, you know? I mean, I'm with I, you. I think they're I, even. I told you in the post-race show, I think we're even, Yeah. Right? Yep, I agree. Yep. I agree. And you know what? To everybody who likes to, uh, you know, everybody likes to buy into the drama. Um, I'll tell you this much. Brandon Thurlby Racing on Facebook congratulated Chad Finley for his win Friday at Tri-City. So, I mean, you tell me. <laughs> that had to have been the hardest, nice typing job that Brandon ever had to do. Thurlby, or somebody else did it for listen, him. Listen, <laughs> Thurlby showed his displeasure after the race with Chad. Chad and Brandon have raced each other hard for years. Uh, is it over? Probably. But just until the next time they hit the racetrack and, and one of them gets ticked off. Uh, and then we're right back where we were. Yeah. Now, they put on a – I mean, if you're just talking about pure show for the fans, I mean – second to none i mean to starting out the year and you have a finish like that yeah um that that i mean that's what it's all about anyway we do this for the fans that's right and and the drivers are just second they just happen to put on the show but the fans loved it they were all on their feet so what's good is good right that's right i agree with that uh how about speaking of fans how about owasso speedway when you have to start turning people away and have to open up cornfields to park general admission cars in Wow, have they gained some attention? Well, let's, it's a step further than that. It's not opening up cornfields; it's buying another 150 acres next <laughs> to the racetrack. Is 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 what Rex Wheeler had to do. Um, man, I don't think. Obviously, it was the most, arguably the most anticipated track opening of 2023. I think there's been a lot of noise. Nobody can argue that uh, out of the Owasso Speedway. Uh, with Rex and Jeff taking over down there. And, um, you know, I don't know that they thought they were going to have the crowd that they had. Right. Uh, you know, we had both talked to Rex. Rex called me this morning and just wanted to update me on some things and said, you know, we did, we thought we'd have a good crowd. And he talked to somebody and said, no crowd has ever been like that at Owasso in its history. Have they ever had so many people? Two hour wait in the ticket line, nowhere to park these cars. Um, and, and I think, and plus they had, I think there were unfortunate issues with the, um, online picketing that, that you could purchase tickets in advance. Well, they, they saw it and they are on it. I mean, I think Rex was on this thing. I, he, from what I understand, he was out on Sunday looking for ticket boxes. So now instead of four ticket centers where you can get a ticket this week, they're going to have 12. Wow. So, um, yeah, 12. 12, uh, 12 ticket windows this week, from what I understand. And uh, the field that he bought, 150 acres, they can put trucks and Jeeps and anything like that. Probably the smaller cars will probably have to park in the lot. But uh, they're going to fit these people in, and they're going to make sure they get in there for a show. I tell you, and they don't, want, they don't want the show kicking off and have a two-hour wait with people lined out to the street to get in, missing the program. I had a couple of family members who went to Owasso on Saturday. They were very impressed. Uh, they were also equally impressed. Chris Foby and, uh, and uh, uh, oh, my goodness, Roger. Uh, Roger Williams, of course, the voices of Owasso Speedway. They said those guys 
did a great job filling the downtime when they had those rain delays. And, uh, you know, un- unfortunately, this is not the first time. And, man, I can't remember this happening very often. And we've seen it now three or four times in 2023 where people get just get the show started, get the grandstands full, and Mother Nature changes her course away from what was forecasted all day to be a beautiful day. Then all of a sudden, Mother Nature opens up and just ruins things. Owasso Speedway was able to get, I think, 11 laps of a street stock feature in, and uh, then Mother Nature came in and, and ruined it, and they ended up having to postpone. And Sunday wasn't viable either, but I heard great reviews from people who were there. And uh, like you mentioned, the two-and-a-half-hour wait in line, that won't ever happen again. Uh, gar- I almost guarantee that. And I, I because – they really haven't seen a show. They'll be back this way. You know, they'll, right. they'll come back. Um, but the thing is, you, when you immediately see that there's an issue and that, you know, I mean, you can't think of everything. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, you don't know that they're, the whole grandstands is going to show up at the same time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. Um, that usually doesn't happen. And so all you do is you take what you learn and you fix it immediately. And as long as it's fixed for next week, then you're good to go. You know, and and you learn things along the way. Everything just doesn't open up and and everything's perfect. That doesn't happen very often. Um, You just have to be aggressive and know how to solve the be good problem solvers, because if it happens two or three times, then it then becomes then it becomes a problem. But I I don't see that happening. I see I see Rex and Jeff uh, tackling this thing head on and I don't see them having the same problem two weeks in a row. Had a chance to go to Butler on Saturday. I decided to step out onto the back porch and take in some racing. I'm literally seven minutes from Butler Motor Speedway, so I packed everything on to the uh, the uh, GL 1100 Honda Goldwing and took a little trip over to uh, Butler Motor Speedway. We got rain, just like everybody else did. It rained at about 5 o'clock. Thankfully, though, just enough that they didn't ever have to get the water truck back out uh, on the premises. Pits were pits were good, no dust there, no dust on the racetrack, and uh, what a good show it was at Butler Motor Speedway. You want to talk about packed, that place, you've seen the grandstands there at Butler, kind of probably one of the bigger grandstands in the state of Michigan. That place was elbow to elbow with people, let me tell you, for a regular season opener show. Uh, they were excited to get things started. 410 wing sprint cars were the headliner that night, and uh, they had a good field of cars, but it didn't matter. Nobody had anything for Tyler Rankin in his uh, Wheeler Motorsports number 16C. This kid set fast time, won his heat race, and went out there and led wire to wire at Butler. Started on the outside pole, Rich. He had the lead by the flag stand. He got such a good start alongside Max Stambaugh. He even led the opening 500 feet. Um, and so uh, Tyler Rankin went on to uh, get the win. Uh, it would be Ryan Rule who would sneak up and take the second spot. Max Stambaugh finished third. Jason Blonde with a big drive came from ninth to finish fourth. Trey McGranahan was I mean, absolutely locked down in a great battle inside the top five all night. Ended up sliding back to fifth. Dahlman sixth, Brofman seventh, Andy Chahowski eighth, Logan Easterday ninth, and uh, Troy Chahowski rounded out the top ten. But, Rich, the drama, we talk about it all weekend. There was drama, and there was drama on Saturday night at Butler as well. Dirt Car UMP Modified feature, Dylan Nussbaum started on the pole and was out front leading this thing when all of a sudden he had company. I should say Dylan Nussbaum started on the outside pole because it was Mark Anderson who started on the pole and trailed Dylan Nussbaum for the first seven laps, Rich. That was until 
He tried to go to the inside of Newsbaum in turns one and two, made contact with the left rear tire, and spun Newsbaum out, and Dillon was not happy. He was going to be sent to the tail as the caution car. Instead, waited for Anderson to come back by under caution, got behind him, lifted the rear end of the 43 up a little bit, and uh, track owner Tim Wilbur escorted him off of the racetrack personally with his uh, four-wheeler. Okay, no harm, no foul. We go back to green. Mark Anderson's at the front. Spins coming off of turn number two, almost collects Jeff Erickson Jr. He got a little incidental conduct on the way, contact on the way by. It did collect Todd Sherman and Rick Swartout, and Todd was not impressed with the way that Anderson had been driving. He drove back up to the front of the field, cut Anderson off coming off of turn number four, gave him what for, and both drivers went back pit side and called it a night. And that left things to be decided between Jeff Erickson Jr. and Chad Bauer, two drivers who have raced against each other for quite some time usually up north, but no UMP uh, Modifieds up there, so they come down to Butler to play, and all of a sudden, who would it be out in front but the I-500 Snowmobile Championship uh, team captain, if you will, Chad Bauer gets the job done in his number 19, goes from fourth to the win, Erickson in second. Tyler Morehouse, what a great run for him. Third spot, Josh Lamal, former champion, fourth, and Logan Beckwith, the fourth, who transferred from the last chance qualifier, Rich, kept his nose clean and finished fifth, coming from 20th. What a night at Butler. It was really cool to see all the see my old friends and uh, all my old support system was there. Um, you, you haven't experienced this yet, Rich. I went there. I'm not the track announcer. Nathan Wilbur does a great job. I'm getting text messages. Hey, can you remind people about the family s- section? Can you ask people to not triple park? Can you this? No, I don't work. I'll tell Nathan, but no, I don't work here. <laughs> I, I do have to ask you. That's always fun when you go back, though. I, that's got to be great. But, you know, we talked about this last week briefly. Tell me about the surface. What was the what was the grade that everybody given it? I'll I tell know- you what. That so it got rough, just like Winston. It, it got it, we got rained on, and it was already soft from all the rain that we had had. Uh, so it did get a little bit of character in it. But I I gotta say, ninety five percent of the passes, Rich, were made on the bottom from guys running. Guys who were running on the top got complacent, and they were getting huge runs on the bottom of the of the racetrack, especially coming off of turn number two. I can think of uh, heat races for sprints and modifieds where guys would get the car turned in the right direction, and just give her the beans. And that racetrack took every bit of it, and um, they rocketed by the car that they were trying to pass. It was really impressive. Dylan Newsbaum, before he got spun out, was running the bottom, out front, keeping pace. And uh, it was really good. I think if that racetrack can stay manicured, they can keep the moisture level right. You know, again, it's still early spring, and we're dealing with Mother Nature. I think we're going to see exactly what Tim Wilbur wanted, and that's multi-groove racing, and it's going to be really good. Now, I have to ask you, because I know you guys, you know, got a late start because of the little bit of weather you had to deal with. What time did you get out of there? Uh, I tell you what, I left while the front-wheel drive feature was on the track, and I think they took the checkered uh, at like 11.45 or something like that, so about the same time as Tri-City. Not bad. Not, Not bad, then. Yeah. I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be quite a bit later. Given, given a half hour, so they consistently, it rained for a half, it, it rained for about 20 minutes get the track prep done, get everybody's cars dried off. We lost a half hour. We were half hour behind schedule all night. And they kept to it. I mean, they they stayed a half hour. They didn't let it expand any. So you take away the opening night blues of people breaking, blowing engines, and the full moon of drivers having their head up their rectum. I think that place probably gets done at about a quarter after 11, 11 o'clock. And that's, or, and, and, and if, that's and with – if it doesn't rain, you're done – 10.30, right? And, and that's with two B-mains. They had a B-main for front-wheel drives and modifieds. So, 
Yeah. Awesome. That's great for Tim. I'm glad they got a good kickstart to 2023. That's awesome. Time to get into our first interview tonight, Rich, and uh, the guy who got the job done last week now joins us on the program, makes his home in Ionia, Michigan, and now that we have the HPH Network, I'm going to re-up my uh, my call and my want to get Ionia Outlaw to stick. Uh, it's Travis Stemler. Travis, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Doing good, man. And uh, uh, what a you know start to 2023 for you, four events, two top tens, and a win already in the bag for you but um you know let's talk about winston two weeks ago uh, that was that was you know winston season opener new new promoter new owner kind of new everything other than the race car that you were sitting behind um let's get an evaluation of how things went at winston last week i think it went really well you know for their season opener and all the rain that we've been getting um the program ran smoothly um I know the track had a little character in it, but you're going to have that, especially with the rain and, uh, you know, no time to be on the track and stuff like that. But knowing Dean, who does the track prep there, he'll figure it out. And Scott, you know, he always has, uh, you know, he wants to make sure everything's just perfect. You know, uh, used to race for him and that's how, uh, you know, his program is. Yeah. it went pretty good. I wanted to ask you, because you did used to race for Scott, um, when you heard that he was the one that was going to purchase Winston, um, I mean, were you surprised? Everybody that I've talked to said, well, we know that Scott's wanted to own a racetrack for quite some time. Um, were you? What were your thoughts when you heard that he was the one that was going to uh, be running the place? Uh, I was actually, well, I was surprised at first, but uh, yeah, he's always joked around about, you know, maybe purchasing Crystal or, you know, just hinting at him, you know, that he wanted to buy a racetrack. But um, he actually, uh, when I heard he did, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, he always, he has a successful business over there. Um, and uh, always, everything is always nice and clean and, you know, things like that. So I knew he'd be a good fit for over there for sure um, to own a racetrack and knew it was kind of something he always hinted at. So I, uh, it's pretty cool to hear about that. Travis, talk to me about the racetracks early in the season. Obviously, you know, on the West side of the state, maybe they had some late snow, which doesn't help. Um, you know, both tracks where, where you, where you've been at like Winston to kick off the season and even tri city somewhat this weekend. Um, you know, the, the tracks look good and they start to rut up just a little bit. Is that just a, a product of too much water and we just have to kind of run the track in? And how long does that take before you start getting tracks that you can depend on? Well, um, I don't think it's the water. I think it's uh, more of like the ground settling in the winter time and everything moving, the moisture of snow and rain, obviously. Um, like this winter uh, work at the road commission and in Ionia County and all of our roads were just destroyed once the thaw came through. Um, And it, I'd say a couple weeks, you know, they they're able to get the graders out there, move the dirt around, pack it down, race cars get on the track, you know, for more than just a test and tune. Um, All the repetitions of, time on the track just make it better you know a couple years ago when 
there was no rain and it was actually sunny. We had the spring. Um, all the tracks were pretty smooth right off the get go. And this year it's just a product of mother nature, not giving them much time. How do you guys deal with that in the pits when you, you know, you're looking at it and you, and you maybe you can look at the racetrack before you guys go out and, and you see something like that developing. What, what goes through your guy? Are you guys pretty much guessing at that point before the feature? Yeah, you're, you're kind of predicting, you know, is the track going to slick off, but it's got the character or is the moisture staying in the track, you know, so you got about a hundred things to decide on, you know, whether, you know, you're stiffening up your springs, you're stiffening up your shocks, you know, to try to bounce around a little bit, I guess. And then, you know, then you still got to try to hook the cars up as best as you can. So it's a, Kind of the difference between, I guess, uh, fighter jets and uh, race cars <laughs> is what you're trying to decide on. <laughs> well, and, and so we go back to Winston. You start up front in that race, and, and uh, you go wire to wire. i got to ask you when, you know, it sounded like everybody in the pits kind of expected that track to kind of chunk up a little bit because it was starting to do it in the heat race. And, you know, they did what they could at intermission, but you only have so much time during intermission to, to do what you need to do. So... Um, when you start up front in this in this sort of situation where you got a track that's kind of coming apart a little bit, what is the mindset there? Is it are you racing the racetrack more than you're listening and trying to defend your position, or are you able to kind of you know relax a little bit and do what you want because you know that those guys behind you are going to have to go maybe where you're not, which may be a rougher part of the racetrack. Yeah, you definitely race the racetrack to your advantage in those situations, you know, you're trying to find the smoothest line possible. Um, sometimes you just go where the car ends up and, uh, you know, try to make it through your corner. Um, I know one time I went in the corner and I hit a little rut and next thing you know, it's like, Oh, I guess the car wants to go to the bottom. So <laughs> we're just going to go that way with it, you know, and just trying to be smooth and not get caught up. I, I seen a couple of guys who were getting into that, rut and one and it was uh tearing up like the right front a little bit yep i was uh you know you're just trying to find the smoothest part of the track put down good consistent laps and you know one of those racetracks are the type that you could lead the whole thing and then the last lap jump the cushion and it ruins everything right well and i was gonna bring that up too you were you were catching lap traffic you, I don't know who you paid, but every time you caught lap traffic at Winston, you get a caution. Uh, I think that you only had to lap one or two guys under green. Um, and, you know, how challenging that is on that rough racetrack because, you know, I'm just going to call it as it is. Guys who are running in the back probably are struggling with car control as it is, plus having the abrasive racetrack on their side. Um, you know, I think as a leader, you're always kind of worried about what is this back marker going to do when I get to them? even more of a concern on a racetrack like that? Oh, definitely. Um, I think it was about three to go. I mean, that you say that exact words is went, what went through my head in that race. Uh, I was coming down the back stretch and this uh, gentleman was running the top side and I'm like, okay, I'll go to the bottom. Well, you know, he hit a rut and he goes to the bottom and then all of a sudden I'm like, he's going to go back to the top nope he stayed on the bottom and you're like oh no like all your momentum stop and you're like you're you're you know trying to pay attention to him listen to make sure you don't cut off the guy behind you or you know 
cause a big wreck if the guy was coming up from behind you, you know, and there's a lot going on when, when you get conditions like that. And then you got lap cars around, uh, in the heat race, uh, at the end of the heat, I knew I was catching or Brandon was right there behind me and right. we caught two lap cars and I'm like, I got to go up to the top. If, if I slow down with these guys, you know, Brandon will see that and go to the top, you know, and so sometimes you just got to go for it and hope it's the right move and that they don't bounce up and shove up into you and yeah. make it a worse night than what it, what it could have been, you know. <laughs> I don't remember you ever really getting challenged on last Friday night either. Is the ability to be able to be out front, I mean, obviously being out front is, is key in any scenario, but no one was really able to run you down. Is that a product of being able to really go wherever you wanted to and not have to deal with, with, you know, I already kind of asked the question, but I'm just trying to figure out how that number four car was so much better than everybody else on that racetrack. Is it really come down to being able to go wherever you needed to go and not have to worry about anybody else? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to pick your line, you know, and you're able to, I guess, see where the smooth spot is. is once, once you get in that groove, you can uh, kind of try to stick with it the best is your ability or wherever your car wants to go. Um, but also too, I wonder if sometimes it's a disadvantage because, um, you know, maybe somebody else finds a smoother line. I know there was four laps or three laps in that race that, I mean, looking at the times and stuff, like one time I jumped the cushion and I'm like, Oh no, it's like the bottom coming in. So you're kind of a sitting duck there too, but, um, I was just better put it up in the middle where the momentum was and just hope no one found another line. So I don't know if that was the big key that we could go wherever we wanted to in winning that race or just, uh, that right now our cars are really good right now. Travis, I want to go from race tracks to race cars. A few years ago, uh, in your first season with Anklam racing, I mean, you guys set the world on fire, and I believe that was in a rocket. Um, you know, we talked to you. We talked to you on Friday, and you, yeah, this is a Longhorn. Kind of walk me through the differences. Um, I, I know it's a struggle. I know we had talked to Chad Finley when he got his Longhorn, and and he, you know, after a while, he couldn't wait to get rid of it. Um, are you guys having any of those issues um, working through everything? Because I know they're very different. Um, well, in 2020, we actually, uh, split, um, we had a rocket and a longhorn, uh, about halfway through the year, we got a longhorn and, uh, we actually won five races with the rocket, five races with the longhorn. And, uh, I kind of seen the trend going towards longhorn a little more on the national tour and I had a lot of friends running them and, uh, the race cars themselves. I really like how the Longhorns race because of coming up through the modifieds and uh, a little more driving style like that. But uh, it's not for us. I don't think it's the fact that, I mean, we got really good cars. We got really good chassis or I mean, shock, good engine program, you know, all that stuff. I think everybody else has, upgraded and kept up with the times and it, this dirt late model is um 
a little more different than it was actually even a couple of years ago when I started and it's getting more technical. The cars are more finicky. Um, everybody's fast. It's kind of weird. I laugh and I say, yeah, we could have the fastest times, but you have to be two tenths of a second faster than the guy to pass them. And you got to be three tenths of a second to actually like say, you know, pull away from a guy. Uh, I think just the, the cars themselves all together as a group have gotten quicker, faster. You know, when you're out front, it's more consistent because of the arrow on the nose and the bodies. And uh, that's when you see guys running their faster laps is when they're out front and all by themselves. So chassis wise, I mean, we get, we got really good people that are helping us out and, uh, I think uh, this year uh, is going to be really good for us. Um, but I think competitive-wise, it's a pretty tough group that we're with uh, racing weekly. I know if everybody, you know, when if you go back to to your first year, I mean, I mean, you won almost every big race around here there was that year. And you guys, I don't think you could have had a much better year. And we even talked about that. But uh you know, and then when you don't quite win as much, everybody says, well, what's going on with Travis? You know, um, you're not winning like everybody can't have a year like you had, uh, you know, in in 2020. Right. Well, that was uh, that was an awesome year. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of, you know, we really consisted ourselves on running those racetracks because, I mean, they were the only ones open there for a while. Um, but, like, look at last year, I mean, from, you know, Eric, Dona, well, Eric took off at the end of the year, kind of like we did in 2020. Um, but, like, everybody was, like, six wins, seven wins, eight wins, nine, you know, so, like, everybody around was winning races last year. And it was kind of interesting because if you look at the wins, like, the year before, you know, even um, – it's just crazy how you take, you know, 40 nights and you take Chad, Dona, Logan, Brandon, you know, and you start dividing the numbers up and you're like, man, it's like everybody got a share of the pie, you know, last year. So it's pretty interesting how the trends have changed throughout the year where I remember a couple of years ago in, I mean, I guess 16, 17, 18, like, it was only like Dona winning everything or Eric winning every night or Rusty, you know, so, or Brandon too, you know, it's, it's just kind of funny now everybody's so close and tight fit in competition. And, you know, you look at, at the numbers and, and like Rich said, everybody wants to look at the win column, but let's look at 2020. Um, according to events that were logged on my race pass, 35 events, 29 top tens, nine feature wins. Um, 2021, you go 42 races, 33 top 10s, uh, 24 top 5, 7 wins. Then last season, uh, the season where, you know, people scratch their head and go, where'd Travis Stimler go? 34 events, 28 top 10s, 20 top 5s, and 6 feature wins. And now already here in uh, 2023, 4 events, 2 top 10s. And uh, the, the races that you finished outside of the of the top 10, were huge events. Eldora Speedway on a Tuesday night, Brownstown Speedway on a Wednesday. Um, so 
you you know you you got to look at those numbers and I mean <laughs> it's nine seven and six. You can't be upset at those at all. I don't think. No, no, not at all. It's uh, I mean especially with this sport, uh, those are to win. You know more than five times I think is huge in this sport. Um, you know they, I remember first starting out in modifieds at 96 and you know shoot we thought we won the world 100 when you'd get one because of the competition that we had back then and um you know it's it's any night one guy can hit it right and take off or their team gets that momentum and all of a sudden i mean eric was a prime example you know he uh caught fire last year and it led all the way into spring or fall nationals down in uh, Lincoln Speedway. And it's like, wow, like it's pretty impressive. Just, you know, once you hit on something, it's consistency after that. I got to ask you too, you're going into your third season um, with Anklam Racing here in 2023. Um, And it was funny. I was reminded the other day, uh, well, uh, that, you know, you, get the opportunity to run with these guys. And when we talked about what this was going to be, it was going to be a situation where, you know, Travis is going to run most of the time, but if Chad wants to race, he'll, you know, he'll get behind the wheel and drive the car if he wants to. I don't know that I've ever witnessed (laughs) since you really kind of caught fire with these guys uh, that Chad has ever taken you out of that car. Um, What, what, uh, what happened to that part of the agreement? Uh, That I, I just, show up and Travis goes I just show up and race I'm gonna tell you what he put the car owner out of a job I'm gonna tell you what happened Travis you were too damn good behind the wheel and he can't can't pull him can't force himself to take you out of the seat (laughs) yeah we've talked about we actually actually um he had a a couple nights there's been where at the end of the year at 96 we he we were gonna unload both cars and uh in 2021, I end up uh, grenading the engine at Tri-City in the championship race for the All-Star Challenge. So we go to 96. Well, we're down to one car, one motor. And then uh, he was going to do it again last year, and I ended up flipping the car at Tri-City. Oh, man. At the last race. So, yeah, so we've talked about it, about unloading both cars last race of the season, you know, and getting them out there. And, yeah, so it's uh, been kind of bad luck when we talk about that. So it sounds so. like it's not it's not how good you are behind the wheel that's kept him from driving it once in a while. It's that you, you make sure something uh, catastrophic happens right before Chad wants to drive it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's been kind of the going trend as of right now. And it's like, ooh. Yeah, maybe we just don't talk about it. We just bring it out one night. <laughs> Travis, we but talked yeah, to... Oh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I'll finish your comment. Oh, yeah. We've talked about it a couple times, but uh, yeah, it's uh, they're uh, a blast to race for, and, and we're just having so much fun. It's just a great team to be a part of. We've talked to a lot of the other guys about going on the road. I know you... You know, you really enjoy going down to Eldora and and getting away from Michigan just a little bit. Um, A lot of them says it helps them to go elsewhere and, for lack of a better word, get their tail handed to them. Do you see that the same way? 
Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It's, um, not only do you get to learn, you know, racing hard with them all the time, you also get to talk to them, interact, um, see what the going trend is, is because sometimes we don't even get that information until a year later, it feels like, um, and just different racing surfaces give you, you know, say, you know, you go to Tri-City and it's hammered down one night Well, they're used to the dry slick or um, Merritt, it seems like, um, you know, there for a while, you know, they were using brine, they weren't using brine. So you're getting all these different track conditions. And I think that just helps better understand for us when we go out west or south you know, race against those guys, you're racing, you know, faster paces, um, you know, you really can't slack off at all, you know, in your heat races or qualifying, you got to hit everything almost perfect. And I think when you come home, it just makes you a lot more um, consistent on the racetrack. And I think it's huge. I mean, it would be cool to do it for, two months just go on the road and race with those guys but um it definitely gets costly for sure how about tri-city um that was the last time that you raced and and not a bad performance either uh top 10 finish for you sixth is uh where you brought it home that night um that racetrack was a little bit different than what you know we consistently see tri-city as and it always every time tri-city does one extreme or the other it brings up the debate what do you want that racetrack to look like and um, I don't know. I thought it was pretty entertaining on Friday night. You had a nice cushion that, that was ripping early. Then you had a bottom lane that came in, and that's actually where the race was won was on the bottom. Um, for you, uh, it looked like you were kind of stuck right where you were, couldn't really go forward, weren't sliding backward. Um, what was your take on Friday night at Tri-City? Uh, it definitely was, uh, it had a lot of different character. Uh, it kind of the same trend, though, normally, uh, where the – you know, tops got a lot of speed and then it turns around and, you know, ends up on the bottom. Um, as we could see, you know, Dona's won a lot with summer nationals like that. And, uh, but I, I enjoy tri city when it's really fast. It's fun racetrack to race. Um, but I really enjoy it too, when it's slick from tire to top and it's tri city is probably that and thunderbird and 96 the three racist tracks in the state of michigan and when for some reason it gets really really slick you can still see people passing and then when it's fast you still see people passing um i enjoyed it if it was a little more smoother i guess on the bottom it would have been a little more fun uh, one <laughs> time hit a rut and took the whole wheel out of my hand and it was a uh, pretty interesting how to say that but um but i i enjoy tri-city a lot it's uh it's a track that is always changing so if it's slick or it's hammered down i mean it's a fun facility fun racetrack so yeah i noticed um, a couple of times I, I, th I think it was you and maybe chad a couple of times and even brandon uh hit the rut and all of a sudden the car went from hiked up on the bars facing the correct way to uh, facing the outside wall, which is a ways away from the racetrack. So uh, I can only – it caught our attention in the booth. I can only imagine what the inside of the race car was like. And, and Brandon, yeah, was that... the, Brandon was the only one to figure out how to 
safely land after going eight feet in the air over a track. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's uncalled. You know, that's that's not a normal part of the race at Tri City. <laughs> but that rut can be sometimes right when it's you know we talked about it earlier in the show in the spring. Everything's kind of soft. Um, but man, like you talked about, you hit it wrong, and all of a sudden that car inverts itself. Not a cool feeling. Yeah, no, it was so weird. I was literally trying to catch up. We actually, um, Dave Hilliker actually broke down going down the front stretch and we almost collided. And, uh, so I'm, you know, I guess trying to get all like, better get back up on the wheel and make up a bunch of time. And I went down to the bottom, hit that hole. And all of a sudden the wheel is not even in my hands no more. And I'm like, Whoa, like trying to <laughs> grab it, you know, like, trying to absorb what just happened and how hard I hit that hole. And it, it's challenging for sure. I, I watched the video and I'm like, man, I should have looped that car, but luckily grabbed the wheel. It was, I just grabbed it where it landed. So went down the front stretch, not even knowing if it was straight or, <laughs> you know, to the left or to the right, you were just like, you gotta go. There's no caution. So, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It makes for challenging, uh, races for sure when the tracks are that rough, but, uh, I guess it gives a little character too. And, and you get, uh, some good racing too, because there's moisture in the track. Well, the, the, the premise of me wanting to call you the Ionia outlaw came when a couple of years ago, uh, you would run literally anywhere at any moment. Uh, you guys would go down to Eldora. You, you did that this year, kind of went to Brownstown. Of course, the ethanol tour had you on the road a lot too. And, um, you know, then COVID happened and, and literally everybody was racing wherever they could. Uh, some people stayed a little bit closer to home. So it's kind of the, the question that's as old as time. What are you looking at for 2023? I mean, are you going to commit to, you've never really been the kind of guy that strikes me as trying to run for a track championship. So is there some sort of commitment there? Or are you guys just going to kind of, you know, decide on Wednesday where you're going to go on Friday and Saturday? Yeah, normally uh, how it uh, goes with our team is we uh, do a phone call on Monday, and um, if he's uh, Chad's too busy on Monday, then I'll get a phone call Tuesday or Wednesday, and we'll uh, decide where we're going racing. Like we definitely want to try to support all the racetracks in the state. Is is a better, I guess, version of what I tell the promoters when they ask if I. I'm going to run for points, but, um, like we're going to go over to Winston and Thunderbird for some weekends when it doesn't our word, like it has been, but I like that. Good, um, good, good work around by the way. Yeah. Try to try to avoid that, um, word there for a while. Maybe it'll disappear, but, um, definitely want to try to hit up Hartford when they have the regular late models and then their summer national show. So we're just going to travel around. Um, we went to Eldora for their season opener. Um, when it gets closer, we're going to see if uh, maybe the Dirt Late Mile Dream or, you know, the world is in our, you know, books for the year. But just kind of see how the season goes and travel around a little bit. I uh, wish they would reschedule that 96 show. That yeah. was going to be pretty cool. But um, we'll just uh, – we just post on Facebook, I guess, on Wednesday or Thursday where we're going to race. So. And, and for those who don't know, you know, Eldora, uh, real quick here, for those who don't know, why do we keep talking about Eldora? You love that place, man. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, ever since uh, I went down there with helping my dad, 
um, just fell in love with the facility, the place, the atmosphere. Um, it's almost like pulling into another home track just as a childhood being down there. Um, and it's just, it's challenging. One night you can be the really fast guy. The next night you're scratching your head like it's the same car, same everything. Why is what's going on here? Um, it's uh, tough racing and, you know, it was really fun when we did one season in the modified and we ended up being champions leaving there. It was like, whoa, this is dream come true. But, um, you know, and the cool part is, is that's where me and Chad and Kayla actually met uh, for the first time. Like I've known Chad for a long time, would say hi at Tri-City and things like that. But that's where we kind of met and talked about racing for each other. And so it's a pretty cool place that has turned out for my career uh, a big uh, asset, I guess. Travis, it's been a while since we talked to you, but before we let you get out of here, um, there's a lot of names on that number four machine. Uh, this is your time to give them all a shout out. Uh, who's helping you out in 2023? Yeah, I got to thank Anklam Racing, of course, uh, for everything they do. Um, they're a huge part of it and uh, can't thank them enough. I can't thank uh, Great Lakes Directional Drilling, Cusack Collision, uh, Norton Equipment, and rentals, Mikhail Stracat rentals, AP Smiley contracting, Summit Personal Training, Gary Sharon Patrick, um, Longhorn by Wells, Tim and Jody, Clyde Kenny, Axel's Place, Rod and Kim, Positive Cleaning, Shirley's Chuck Wagon, Pro Power Racing Engines, All Star Performance, Force Spring Smashers, Prime FM, Bryn Transmissions. I uh, can't thank you know, my crew guys enough, Victor, Timmy, Andrew, um, my wife and kids for all their support, mom and dad for obviously giving birth and, you know, raising me. <laughs> but, uh, and it's Mother's Day coming up. Yeah, that's right. Got to do a shout out to mom. So, you know, my, but, uh, my favorite sticker on the side of that car is the drinking team sticker. You used to mention them all the time. And I noticed oh, it's yeah, still on the beer, uh, on the beep, the, yeah. the, the beer, the beer B pillar. Uh, still represents that. I, I, Rich and I got to figure out how to be a part of that team. That's what we got to figure out. That team is sitting at Tri City every Friday night in turn one. Okay. At the end of the bleachers, and they're a great time. Definitely <laughs> great people. It's actually uh, Kayla's father. So all right, it's uh, he's a great guy. So. Rich, next maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. we'll have to take the wireless down there and call a race with a wireless sitting with them. That'd that's right. Cool. Yeah, we'll go down there and see if we can there get you an you application. Go. Yep, that's who I always wait to coming out of when we leave the track and stuff. Is that turn one little group there? That's awesome. Well, Travis, man, congratulations on that win at Winston, and uh, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, we got to get Mother Nature to play because. Uh, you know, I think another great opportunity at Crystal was washed away over the weekend, and uh, we got to see what's going on with uh, with that Anklam Racing number four team. So, um, congratulations with the win on Friday at Winston. Good luck with the rest of the season, and uh, I know that we'll see you along the way. Thank you, guys, and I appreciate you having me on the show. 
Well, I tell you what, it was great to catch up with Travis. We haven't, we felt like we haven't talked to him in quite some time. <laughs> and I think we're as guilty as anybody of saying, where'd Travis Stemler go? Well, he didn't go anywhere. He won six times last year, finished in the top ten all but ten races last year. He hadn't gone anywhere. But we've talked about it. When you have such a stellar couple of seasons, uh, you start, you know, anything less than nine wins, and we're like, where'd Travis Stemler go? Uh, but that just tells you how good he's been. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, I I didn't think I was one of the ones that are that were you know doing the same thing, but he had a year. It wasn't just that he won nine races; he won six races that were big money races. Right. I mean, I think he won five grand, ten grand. I mean, he won a lot of money, and you know, you add that together, where it just seems like he's winning all. You know, he's winning half the Challenge Series races. Um, you know, when you go somewhere else, we're not always on top of that right. on a regular show. And then now, you know, with the challenge series that, you know, when all the competition shows up, it just seems like maybe Travis is winning on the off nights. Uh, but no, they, that team is just as strong um, as anybody else that that's running throughout Michigan. And, uh, you know, and they don't stay home. They like to get away and travel and learn some things. So um, when you go on the road, you're not going to, that's going to take some of your wins away too, because you're probably not going to go on the road and win a whole lot. Well, I got to tell you, uh, we've got some great support from uh, our friends across the state and our, our race fans and, and friends that we've made, acquaintances that we've made. That includes, uh, you know, our acquaintances with uh, Northside Towing. And, of course, this comes by way of CNT Services and, and Chris and, and those guys over there uh, spreading the love to now the Finley family. You have probably heard Northside Towing and Service for quite some time, but now... Get ready for Northside Towing of St. John's. They had a very soft opening today. I talked to Chad last night. He goes, we're close, but we're still kind of forwarding everything right now, so give us a little bit of time. Um, so uh, when you're looking for somebody that can do heavy-duty towing, uh, somebody that can do the uh, jump starts, the tire changes, the unlocks, they do light and medium-duty towing as well. Uh, from, from your little Kia to your big Mack truck, they can help you out at Northside Towing. Um, and uh, they are they are getting started, right? You, you, you plan a day that you want to open, and then things happen, and you, you kind of miss the mark a little bit. They're really close, Rich, uh, so sometime very soon they'll be ready to get things going. But tell you what, put this phone number in your contacts right now in case you ever need it, 989-224-9200, 989-224-9200, and that's Northside Towing of St. John's. This is, of course, uh, Chad Finley's latest venture into the business world, uh, kind of following in the family footsteps a little bit. So excited for him. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is. Uh, we, I knew that they were, you know, and it's all coming together so quickly. You know, it just yeah. it seems like, oh, they just found the property. Oh, they just found the building. And and it really is, um, you know, on the expedited plan of getting this thing going. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, that that's going to be great, and and it expands our service area. So so awesome for that that family and that team. Nine eight nine two two four ninety two hundred. Well, Zach, our second guest of the evening, uh, he picked up a championship in twenty twenty two at the Corrigan Oil Speedway in the Outlaw Super Late Models, and he kicked off twenty twenty three on Saturday night in a big way, picking up the fifty lap feature event at the Flat Rock Speedway in the Outlaw Super Late Models. Great to have him back on the program. Justin Clardy, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, happy to be here, and thanks for having me. Man, uh, Saturday night, opening night, 
uh, first night you can get that outlaw, outlaw out of the box um, had to feel pretty good. Yeah, it, it did. Anytime you can uh, win one early, it, it definitely feels great. And um, that was first time on the track, too. We didn't sh- shake it down, anything like that. Um, we, you know, it's kind of like, well. <laughs> That's pretty fortunate. It, it, <laughs> yeah. We were, we were kind of like, let's, you know, it'll be a, a paid test in tune was kind of the theory. And fortunately, you know, unloaded and, and it was fast. And then it became about, all right, let's try to win this thing. Talk to me. Let's let's get right into the race. I mean, you were actually you had a very fast car. You you were good all of practice. Uh, you know, earlier in the afternoon, and once it got into the race, you kind of had to find a way to be patient. Uh, because you were not in a hurry to get to the front at the beginning of that fifty lap feature. Yeah, you know, it was that was one of the concerns I had going in. Um, generally running the Joy Fair and Stan Yee, you know, you do you know, you do have that, you do have an extra time in the 100, 150 laps um, format. And, uh, you know, I always confident that the car is good on a long run. And so I was a little concerned with just, just 50 laps against, you know, that caliber of competition at, you know, home track essentially. Um, but yeah, you know, kind of settled in and the laps definitely clicked off fast. And, um, and, you know, once you realize that it was getting down on the wires, like, well, I hope it can make something happen here before the end, and we're fortunate to have that opportunity. You know, you talk so, about – oh, go uh, ahead. I was, so, yeah, I was just going to ask him. I said, you get inside 10 laps to go, and, you know, you, you're running third. You need to pass a couple of guys, and now you're in lap traffic. Are are you starting to get concerned? Yeah, I was definitely concerned. Um, you know, Chris had good pace. Um, Eric was fast and, you know, I could see that we were catching lap traffic and my original plan was to try to try to make a move on the, on the low side before we got to lap traffic. And I had a couple runs and just couldn't, wasn't quite up there far enough to make it happen. And then next thing you know, we're in lap traffic and, and I'm, I'm kind of pinned on the bottom. I have, uh, Eric's on the outside and, and I'm kind of pinned in there and I said, you know, at that point, you just got to hope you get an opportunity for a hole to make something happen, and, and that, that's what ended up happening. When you're getting down into that late part of the race and, you know, you see – I look at lap traffic one or two race. It, it can either be a race ender or a race opportunity. Um, you know, it, you know, you kind of got to look at that the same way because people always talk about, you know, okay, the leader's the first one to get there. He's got the hardest job to carve the path, um, but – I still think, and we just talked about this with Travis uh, about lap traffic on the dirt. You gotta, you gotta kind of wonder. Okay, how hard are these guys going to race to try to stay with the leader now? Try to learn something from the leader, and and is that going to get? Are they going to get in my way? Um, do you get concerned about that at all when you're trying to run down people and you get to lap traffic? Oh, you definitely do, especially when you're the leader. Um, cause, cause I agree, they're going to race you the hardest, especially you know most tracks now have a lucky dog lucky dog rule um you know so they don't want to go a lap down the, or, or at least at the very least be in a position to to get that lap back and uh i definitely i definitely agree um and on the same token though when you're not leading you do see it as an opportunity you know as a, as a way to to throw enough rent into things that you may get the opportunity to capitalize on it so it's definitely uh 
definitely depends on what position you're in when you encounter that lap traffic on how you feel about it and also what point in the race it is too let's talk about flat rock uh their write-up has this down as your first career win at flat rock speedway um you know obviously you you might try to compare it to corgan oil in some ways which is a racetrack you've had some success at um but talk about knocking one down at flat rock how how that you know it's just another one for me on your resume list and and so you give me your thoughts on on knocking one down at flat rock yeah, if, it feels good. Um, you know, generally, traditionally, I think 17 maybe was the first year I went there. And we kind of, you know, generally just ran a couple shows there a year and have always run well there. So it definitely feels good to finally finally get one in the win column there. And, um, you know, as far as comparing it to Corrigan, um, aside from quarter miles, they're totally different tracks. They, they really are. Um and just, you know, the shape and banking and characteristics of them are, uh, are, are quite a bit different. Definitely not a, not a place, at least for me, that, you know, you can run the same setup between the, <laughs> the two. The notes don't cross mm-hmm. over. No, they don't, but it's interesting. And, you know, there are some aspects of things that I picked up at Corrigan that, I mean, there are certain things that, that do carry over certain aspects and, um, but, Definitely, definitely not. You couldn't run one one night and not leave the car in the trailer and go run the other one the other night. Um, even though you basically run the same gear, though, um, everything else is, is pretty different. Got to ask you, you know, you, you come away with a checkered flag at, that has, and I like getting in a driver's head. That's got to give you a little confidence uh, for coming up here in, in a few weeks. Yeah, it does. We're definitely looking for it. And that was kind of the plan is um, didn't make it there last year, um, had some engine problems and, and borrowed a motor. So I believe we we're switching motors right around the joy fair last year. So didn't make that. And then later in the year, kind of trying to limit the time, limit the time on that motor. So didn't make it back for the, the 150. So, um, you know, this was, you know, hoping to use it as kind of a, a tune up for the joy fair, especially not being there last year. And so after running, you know, after picking up a win, definitely really looking forward to going back in a couple of weeks. We could take it another step further. Um, so you got a night in that race car. Uh, what do you have to do now to make sure it's not the Brian Bergacre show for the sixth time in a row? Yeah, that's a great question. Brian definitely had a stranglehold there. Um, you know, there's, I've been contemplating it and, and there's a couple things I'm going to try, um, whether or not they'll work or not. And, and you just have to, you can't just assume that because you won, won the opener that, that, you know, you're in a great position, especially when Brian and some other, you know, inevitably other, other fast cars coming in from outside. And of course the, the local guys are always tough. It can be in those, those long shows as well. They know, you know, they have that track knowledge of how the, the track changes and, you know, for different weather conditions and what have you. So, yeah, definitely going to have to show up with the A game and, um, you know, try a couple things. You, you, you can't quit trying to be faster. So hopefully maybe we can uh, make a couple minor tweaks and get just a little bit faster and, and at least make Brian work for it. It's interesting you mentioned that because I, I almost, and I think other people listening may feel the same way, would think, okay, uh, you won the opener and now in a couple of weeks is one of the biggest races for outlaws at flat rock. I almost would think you don't put a wrench to that car 
because you've proven yourself, uh, proven proven itself, and proven yourself with it. Is this a situation where behind the wheel, despite having made the pass to get to victory lane, you look at that thing and you go, "There's still more speed in it at this racetrack." Yeah, I think that's natural, um, and you know, it's tough to find that balance between you know tuning too much and overthinking it and just keeping it simple. But, um, you know, I think, I think the balance is you, you show up with pretty much what you had and, or, or very close, but are in a position if, if you're kind of feel like you're heading in the wrong direction, direction to, to get right back where you were. So you definitely don't stray too far, but you have to, you have to try something. You gotta, you know, if you, if you don't keep trying, um, you'll end up falling behind. At least and I think, and I think Zach, Zach, what's funny is I think, I think Justin would feel a whole lot better if he didn't see Chris Benson click off an 11-5 lap on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and also I want to ask you this. What sort of – so uh, it's going to be a loaded question, so give me a second here. So this race mm-hmm. is in the early part of May. Joy Fair Memorial at the end of the month. Obviously, we all are praying that Mother Nature gets her poop in a group <laughs> and gives us warmer weather, drier weather. Um you take this baseline now that you've won on, you show back up on the 27th. Is that is that practice session in the early afternoon at Flat Rock going to be telling enough for what your race car is going to do that night during the Joy Fair Memorial that you would be able to make the appropriate adjustments to still be where you need to be, as you mentioned, to not tune yourself out of a good handling and good driving race car? Yeah, I mean... It, it does depend on, on the weather. Um, you know, is it going to stay hot at night? Is it overcast in the afternoon? You ca- you kind of take all that into, into account. Um, so I think, you know, essentially yes, to an extent, but, but not totally. Um, you know, the conditions generally do, do change at night. It, it feels like every time we go to the joy fair, at least the ones that I can remember, it, it's usually really hot or it's usually hot. It's usually humid track's usually a little greasy um so you know to an extent might have to dig back into those notes from previous years under under similar conditions to kind of see what what sort of adjustments worked then and uh and then you know look at those post-race notes were those the right adjustments um in previous years or you know I, i try to take really detailed notes of um shortly after the race why it's still fresh in your mind what you felt like um you could have done to be better um, and, and, you know, sometimes you go back and look at those and, uh, sometimes they help you and sometimes they don't. Now you put out a, 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 uh, quote, very tentative 2023 schedule end quote, uh, back in mm-hmm. March. Now that schedule has you running the season opener at flat rock and then, uh, taking a week to run the road course car, which we'll talk about in just a second. And then Birch run speedway for reveal the hammer is the next outlaw event on the calendar. Is that still accurate? Yep. That's still accurate. So now mm-hmm. I have to ask you. Do you have a second car, or do you have to tear this thing down and and completely reassemble it to get it ready for the big track at Birch Run? Um, I do not have a second car. Um, do not have a second motor. Um, so it'll be there'll definitely be some changes. That's what I was gonna say. I guess I guess how much has to change. I mean, I just look at this program and I think, okay. 
Uh, shock package has probably has to change. Gears are going to have to change, which is no big deal. Yep. Um, I don't know. Tire rule is the tire rule the same? Is it different? Brakes are the brakes the same? Is there a b- bigger package that you run for flat rock? I don't know. What sort of things do you have to change to go from quarter mile flat rock to the big high banks at Birch Run? Yeah, I mean mainly gear. Um, take the restrictors out of the motor. Um, there are some shock settings that are a little bit different. Um, a little bit different different bump package but it, it's nothing fortunately we do run the same tire so that helps a lot um so you don't really have any, have any issues with like track width or anything like that so it's you know essentially probably a solid a solid night um to, to change the car over with uh fortunately i have some good crew guys that helped me in the shop and were able to kind of divide and conquer we have a list of things and we you know figure out who's going to do what and, and we go at it so it's it's not a, a lot of huge changes and you know only having one car you kind of got to have a tweener you know to, to be able to run different tracks you know don't have the luxury of having one car that's that's already for big tracks and one that's already for small tracks so you kind of split the difference on a lot of stuff like brake package like maybe you know you're you have a heavier brake package than what you need at a at a at certain tracks, but then you know you have enough for other tracks, and so that's kind of how the car is built to to be a tweener and and pretty much go almost almost anywhere. Don't really have the motor for a place like Toledo, but other than that, I feel like I can pretty much take it anywhere. Justin, you've been pretty invested in the Outlaws for quite a while, and you know we're I, I guess to be brutally honest, the way it is. Um, we're down to one racetrack that runs them every week in the state of Michigan. Um, how are, is this turning into, I mean, I, I know flat rock, I know I haven't, it's not changing, right. They're going to keep running, you know, the, the outlaws nine, 10 times a year, whatever it is on their schedule. But is this becoming a traveling series? You, you know, it almost is. Um, you just don't have, like you said, you know, you don't have tracks running them um frequently with with the exception of of flat rock and and they're doing that you know you can't be upset with them they're doing that you know based on the car counts and and how often people are willing to race and and everything like that so i mean with that being said i i do really appreciate what flat rock's doing and um you know i hope to you know maybe be able to support them for a couple regular shows later in the year um if possible and, you know, they've been really consistent for a lot of years. Um, and, you know, a lot of tracks and series have come and gone. And a lot of tracks that have run Outlaws have, you know, dropped Outlaws or just run special shows. So I, I appreciate what they've done for the division by being consistent. Um, you know, they enforce the rules. Uh, they run a nice, tight show. Um, and, I mean, you're in and out of there. And, you know, they get good car counts, they get great cars, and, and I appreciate what they do for sure, you know, in, in this current climate when, when other tracks are getting away from them. Well, and I think, too, that leads us right into, uh, let alone getting getting away from Outlaw Super Late Models, getting away from racing altogether. Uh, I think a lot of people, Justin, and probably you can you as well, um, are concerned that you may have been the last track champion at Corrigan Oil Speedway. And that's only saying that because nobody really knows what the future of that racetrack is right now. You know, six events in 2023, really only uh, two or three of them true circle track races. 
Um, you know, obviously picking up the championship last year, you, you supported that place a lot. Uh, I'm sure had a lot of conversations with the Hernleys and a lot of people there. Um, I guess kind of when you saw what was going on and kind of all the, the things that transpired over the off season into the spring, uh, I imagine your heart kind of broke with the rest of us. Yeah, it definitely did. Um, you know, you know, we started supporting in, you know, 2021, I, I believe you ran all the races. That's the first time I'd run all the races at a track and I think maybe ever seems like, and uh, did the same at all their shows in 2022. And, and it was really neat to have a place to call home. Um, especially it was close by the, the, the Friday night, but also being close by worked out well. And, uh, and just, you know, enjoyed, enjoyed every minute of it. Um, fortunately we had the opportunity to run there for two years. Um, you know, definitely disappointed that it didn't go on for longer, but, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough deal. Um, owning, running a track. I, it's a thankless job at the very least. So, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to, to, you know, have the answers or, or know what goes on or say that things should have been different. I just, you know, appreciated the, the time that we did have there. And then, of course, uh, this reveal, the Hammer Series, uh, we've talked about it before, um, you know, a, a nice answer, I think. And then you kind of got to look, you're going to Birch Run, uh, you know, with reveal, the Hammer, they've got the quad crown at, at Owasso Speedway as well. Does that trip your trigger at all? Is that something that you might be interested in stopping by and seeing what's going on? Yeah, I'm planning to run um, definitely the first Owasso race and kind of see how that goes. But, yeah, tentatively had kind of penciled in um essentially all the all the hammer races the the big shows at at flat rock um in addition to the opener uh, we've traditionally gone up to um um whittemore and then then last year was on away for the growler so that one's kind of out there and and you know the whole whole reason on the tentative schedule is you just kind of you know especially when you have one car one motor and you know you just kind of you, you're definitely pretty that on you know the first four or five races you want to run but then you know you want to have that flexibility to figure out hey what's where we've been running good at what's what's kind of changed and, and have and have those those options but yeah definitely taking a definitely looking forward to getting up to Owasso uh, never raced on new pavement so that'll definitely be an experience um, so that'll be great to get up there. Justin I I know a lot of your schedule has to do with what you're doing with the road racing. Anybody who doesn't know, um, it does affect your outlaw schedule because you, you want to do a fair enough of both throughout the summer. Kind of tell everybody what, you, what you're involved with on the road race side. So yeah, the road racing side, it's SCCA road racing. Um, the class is uh, spec racer Ford. They're purpose-built single-seat cars. And um, they built it's a spec class. The motors are sealed. Chassis are all the same. Um, and they built a, almost a thousand of these cars over the years. And most of them are still out there, out there running. So it's, it's a really competitive class. I know sometimes people think, think road racing, you know, like it's, it's not hard racing and, and it's competitive. We'll have, you know, sometimes 70 cars at an, at some of the bigger tracks, road America and stuff. And, uh, and we bump draft and, you know, three wide, sometimes four wide. And, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, it's something different. Um, I grew up, my dad raced SCCA when I was younger. So I grew up at a lot of these tracks and uh, 
it's kind of neat to get back to the family roots too. So what, what do you do if somebody says, Hey, one of these, you got to give up, which, which, which one's going away. I saw that David McNair, I think it was David McManus posted a comment on one of your pictures uh, asking that same thing, which one is more fun. Uh, and I thought that was, that was a great answer that you had. Yeah. I can't remember what my answer it was, but the, you know, a lot of it, it's just like kind of comparing apples to oranges. Cause they're that's what so you said, different. by the way, <laughs> that, yeah, that's pretty it, much it what you said. Was. Cause I get asked that a lot. Um, but they're so different that there's aspects of each one that, um, you know, you just really, really enjoy. And then there's other aspects of the other one that, that you enjoy more. And, you know, I guess a good example would be, you know, going to some of the iconic road course tracks, uh, race to Indy road, America, um, going to Watkins Glen in, in June, you know, racing at some of those iconic tracks um with that many cars and and just you know the the challenge of you know a 20 maybe up to 20 turn circuit and everything like that is definitely you know definitely a highlight of that and then you have kind of flip side the oval track you know you get a nice you know a big show a nice a nice night the, the stands are packed and and uh you know going green on the wave lap and stuff like that so they just have so many aspects that are so much different that um i don't know it would be really hard to choose and, and there probably will come the day when when i'll have to it's it's not easy doing both of them um you know financially and and time wise but i'm gonna try to do it as long as i can you should run for president man you didn't answer my question yeah <laughs> i know i know i didn't answer it you're right uh which 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 i'm, I'm not going to make you answer that uh i'm going to be mm-hmm. your speaker of the house here and kind of protect you um which which one came first though for you in your career so the oval track racing came first and it was interesting um i was in college getting toward the end of college was really chomping at the bit to go race. And I hadn't, I got a late start. I didn't, I didn't start young with go-karts or anything anything like that. Um, I play a lot of um, sports in school and high school. And it was always, well, you know, after college, I'll start racing. So you're getting toward the end of college and, you know, you're pretty broke, right? I mean, I think you're (laughs) adding water to catch up bottle and, you know, everything like that. And you're like, well, how, you know, how are you going to go, road course racing i mean there's not really some events there's a payout but there's not really much payout and there's entry fees and then so um we kind of got this novel idea um my dad and i were like hey this oval track stuff uh that you get paid you know and <laughs> so like let, let's let's go oval track racing we'll make money right and uh and so i mean it did help when you have money coming in and everything like that the initial investment wasn't as much and and so that's what we that's what we did and uh and just ended up doing it for years and then just finally got the point it's like after all those years it's like well i'm not getting any younger if i'm gonna try road course racing we should we should probably do this why uh why the spec car was that always going to be the goal was the spec car um yeah it always kind of had an eye on that class and then in 2015 they upgraded it with um more powerful lighter engines and so the speeds were up and for me coming from the oval track side i'm used to i mean that's to me what's so much fun is you know saturday night there was three of us you could throw a blanket over us that wheel to wheel racing and and not all the classes in road racing have that 
they don't all have a lot of cars or they have mixed cars. So then there's rules lobbying, trying to equalize cars. And so to me, the spec class was appealing to just be a purely driver and chassis setup type type class. Well, Justin, man, uh, congratulations on the win at Flat Rock. Uh, know you're looking forward to that uh, that race that you've got with the spec car in between uh, getting back into the Outlaw, so that'll be a lot of fun. And um, you're pretty – I mean, you're not – updates on, on your racing page are are, uh, are pretty decent, so if folks want to keep an eye on what you got going on and, and uh, see what's going – you know, we live in the world of, of live streaming. Um, Circle Track stuff's pretty well covered. Is there any way to catch what you do – with the uh, with, with the man, I just lost what the sanction was on those road courses. Uh, with the S double C A, right? Uh, is there any way to watch what you guys do? Yeah, the Sports Car Club of America, um, they do a really neat thing. So at the national championship race um, at the end of the year, they they live stream it. Um, it used to always be replayed on CBS Sports, like around the holidays. Um, but so those are live streamed via SCCA's website and also on, on YouTube. And then also the, the Hoosier Super Tour events are um, also they have uh, a live stream with uh, announcers, live timing and scoring and everything like that as well. So um, I generally, in advance of those events, kind of post the link um, for people to tune in. And the good thing, too, is on, on the uh, when they stream them on YouTube, they leave them up, so if you're not available to watch them live, you can go back and rewind. It's basically one big um, recording of all the day's races. You can go back and find nice. find the specific event and watch it. So you have a lot of people that you know like to keep up, but we sometimes travel pretty far, and we definitely travel further with that that racing, and it's a longer commitment over the weekend. And um, so definitely have a lot of people that tune in to watch those broadcasts. Awesome. I don't like horsepower happenings. If you can't catch it on Monday night, go back and watch it anytime throughout the week. That's right. That's right. No, that's that's the best part because um, sometimes Monday night, that's the you know that's a key night in the shop to go through the car, figure out if you need to order anything or everything like that. But you can uh, you can catch horsepower happenings after you after you come in before you go to bed. There you go. Awesome, Justin. Well, hey man, uh, thank you so much for making time for us tonight, and uh, congratulations on the win at Flat Rock. Good luck on the road and on the road course and uh who knows maybe we'll see you at uh, birch run or back at flat rock we'll, we'll catch up with you somewhere yeah sounds great thanks for having me and uh looking look forward to seeing you guys and talking to you soon well that's gonna do it uh, thanks to justin for making some time for us tonight and and chatting with him and uh you mentioned it rich you, you get a chance to open the season with a win man oh man watch that seven car here in 2023 because you know he, he i think a fair assessment would say Justin has probably been a little bit of a sleeper in the Outlaw Super Late Model field up until about two years ago. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, man, you better pay attention to that yellow number seven when it unloads because uh, between the success at Corrigan, the track championship, and now the opening night win at Flat Rock, he might be one to contend with here this season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and you know, obviously he had a great season a year ago uh, at Corrigan Oil Speedway. And he's just one of those guys that you just can't put away, Zach. Um, right. He does, you know, he's he just always seems like he's in the top five. Um, he's leading races, and and does he win them all? No, right. But he's there every single week. The year before, he had to deal with, you know, Phil Bozell, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. cleaning up at Corrigan Oil, right? And does that 
I mean, he and he ran in the top five almost every night there too. So um, I think this might be the season if they can get all the keep keep the the bugs away. You know, like he said, they have one car and one engine. Anything happens to either one of those, and they're road racing pretty much. That's right. So so um, we'll have to keep an eye on him. But uh, he's really excited about going up to Dixie or Birch Run, and uh, and I think he's really excited at the end of the month for the Joy Fair Memorial 100. Hey, a couple of things I forgot to mention in the body of the show, but uh, we'll let you start, Rich, because you're going to help us out with this. Power rankings in 2023, we're going to do those. And you texted me today. You said, well, that was easy. The Outlaw Late Model Power Rankings are done uh, because they've only raced once here in 2023. So as of right now, give Justin Justin Claudery the uh, Power Rankings lead for Horsepower Happenings. Yep, 10 points for him. That's good enough for a win right but we have to wait <laughs> yep and and just to clarify this is for all races that occur in michigan, in michigan. The driver does the driver doesn't have to be from michigan uh the race has to happen in michigan so we're not doing south of the border uh including that that in it so basically what we have to have to deal with is kalamazoo to get some outlaw races in reveal the hammer races up here uh and then the event at uh, north at, at corrigan oil for the Bob Finley Memorial. So that's right. Um, those are going to be the big events here that will start really putting this power ranking deal into picture for the outlaw super late models, which is exactly why the dirt late model power rankings aren't done yet, because there's a lot of results to go. Well, not a lot, but you know, there's a decent amount of results to go over and get that all inputted and make sure that it's right. Dirt sprint car wing sprint car power rankings. They're done. Tyler Rankin is uh, the, the current power rankings leader for dirt sprint cars because only one race <laughs> in the state of Michigan so far, but we hope to change that with the upcoming calendar. That's a nice little transition. Thank you very much to I-96 Speedway, Great Lakes Super Sprints. We'll try it again uh, from I-96, and uh, this time they'll bring along the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints and the Midwest Compact Dirt Searing, uh, Touring Series will be involved as well. Um, a lot of folks were pretty heartbroken that that first race at I-96 got weathered out. So we're going to do it again. Great Lakes Super Sprints, Traditional Sprints, and Midwest Compact Touring Series, uh, the Dirt Region, Friday night, 745 start time, and uh, you can get your tickets in advance as well on the Great Lakes Super Sprint Series website. Also Friday night, our friends at Hartford Motor Speedway, Tim and Leah Dibble, if you're not exactly a sprint car fan, we won't hold that against you. 7.30 p.m. Uh, start time at Hartford. They've got one of two racetracks in the state of Michigan that host Dirt Car UMP Modifieds, plus their new Crown Vic division, which they call Super Troopers. Then Cyberstocks are on the card as well. Uh, go down and help Tim and Leah celebrate the opening of season number 10 as owners and promoters of Hartford Speedway. That's awesome. And then Friday, I get back into action. Uh, Toledo Speedway, they're going to have their opener on the pavement side. School bus figure eight. Oh, that's always fun. Boat figure eight flagpole race. We'll also have late model sportsman on the half mile factory stocks in the quarter mile. Ken Schrader will be in the house. He will be driving a school bus in the school bus figure eight. So that ought to be a, a fun time. Race time at 7 p.m. on Friday at Toledo Speedway. And I got a little word today in a text. I may, I may have a Gary Lindahl sighting on Friday. Not that he's going to be working. Right. But I may have a sighting of him on Friday night seeing they're having a race two miles from his house. So uh, 
we'll see if we can get Gary out to get some fresh air, at least say hello. Um, but but we'll see. Then let's kick into Saturday on the pavement. Birch Run Speedway. Uh, Jake's Area All-Stars Tour, race number one of the Triple Crown. 7 p.m. start at Birch Run. And Saturday, Owasso, once again, we're going to give it a shot. 2500 to win modifieds plus $1,000 to win trucks. Street stocks, front wheel drives also in action. Once again, Saturday at Owasso, once again, a 7 p.m. start. And then on Saturday, the uh, friends at Butler Motor Speedway are back in action as well. Their normal uh, schedule will be in play. 410 sprint cars, modified street stocks, and front wheel drives, which, of course, will be sanctioned by the Midwest Compact Touring Series on Saturday night as they kind of do a double dip this weekend with Friday at I-96 and Saturday at Butler. They wave the green flag at 7.30. So that'll do it for tonight's action on Horsepower Happenings. want to say thanks so much to uh, Justin and to uh, Travis for making time to chat with us. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Also want to give a shout-out to everybody who tuned in to our HPH Network Tests broadcast. Now it's for real. Uh, Friday night at I-96 Speedway, we'll get things really cranking with the Great Lakes Super Sprints, and hopefully uh, you can tune us in, whether you're at the racetrack or sitting at home and can't make it to uh, listen to all the action on the HPH Network. You can find that right here on HorsepowerHappenings.com. So, for Scott Mendler who pays the bills, Rich France, and uh, everybody who helped make Horsepower Happenings a successful weekend, Brian Osborne was involved, of course, Roger Williams was there, uh, Chris and Chuck and everybody who helps us out with Horsepower Happenings. I'm Zach Heiser, thanking you so much for tuning in. Talk to the same time, same place next week, right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.